You're listening to the ASN Kidney News Podcast. Stanford University has started the first PhD program in the United States devoted solely to stem cell science. In this episode, ASN counselor Ronald Falk speaks with Vivek Bala and Vittorio Sebastiano of Stanford about stem cells, what they are, where the research is taking them, and how they might improve kidney care. Hello, this is Ronald Falk for the American Society of Nephrology, and with me today are two uh, investigators from Stanford University, Dr. Bala and Dr. Sebastiano, and I would ask each of you to introduce yourselves, if you would. Dr. Bala first, if you would. Um, My name is Dr. Vivek Bala. I'm a physician scientist in the Division of Nephrology at the Department of Medicine at Stanford University. And I have basic science interests in a variety of diseases, including salt-sensitive hypertension and chronic kidney disease, especially diabetic nephropathy. And Dr. Sebastiano. Uh, Yeah, good afternoon. So I'm Vittorio Sebastiano, and uh, I'm an instructor uh, here at Stanford. I'm uh, directing uh, the research activities in the Human Embryonic Stem Cell Course Facility in the Stanford School of Medicine. And I basically do some teaching and uh, research focused on using the induced pluripotent stem cells and the human embryonic stem cells as a way to model diseases and as a way to develop tools for clinical applications. If I could ask you, Dr. Sebastiano, what's the state of stem cell research right now in the United States? Well, I would say that uh, a lot of progress has been made, I would say, last 10 years. Uh, we now know a lot of things that we didn't know before. For example, the stem cells basically reside in most, if not all, of the tissues. Before it was only a, a handful of, of tissues. Now we know that most of the of the organs or of the tissues contain stem cells. The big problem there is how we find them. Uh, what is the signature, the unique signature of them? So, and a lot of programs have been also made in. Uh, developing and modeling human diseases and developing platform for for drug screening using stem cells as a model. On the other hand, less progress has been made in clinical applications. First of all, because it requires a lot of time, then it requires a lot of money, and also the development of the right infrastructures. So, for example, facilities or GMP, good manufacturing uh, practice protocols for translating what we know and what we have discovered in basic research into a clinical grade type of uh, material that then can be used for, for example, transplantation of stem cells or treatment or cure or specific diseases. So a lot of progress has been made in one sense, but now we need to kind of move this, this knowledge towards a more practical approach. So, Dr. Bala, in what way do you think stem cells could be used in, in the kidney space? I think there's been some exciting discoveries in the field of stem cells within the kidney in the last four to five years. In particular, there has been some agreement now that stem cells do, in fact, exist in the glomerulus, in the filters of the kidney and that they can be used to regenerate different cell types within the kidney. And in particular, these cells can be used for treating certain diseases. Although this has not been tried yet in humans, this is sort of the next frontier. It will be an exciting field in the years to come for nephrology. 
for either of you what parts or applications of stem cell research have been most surprising? The, the discovery approximately four to five years ago in 2006 by a Japanese scientist, Shinya, Dr. Shinya Yamanaka, was the discovery that reprogramming somatic cells and virtually any cell type can be much, much more easy than we previously thought. So, and the idea that he developed was we can promote the expression of specific transcription factors, and we basically we can change the fate of a cell type, and we can change the fate, for example, of a skin cell or a liver cell or a kidney cell, and we can change that program and make that cell behave in a different way. And the way he did it was to induce the expression of transcription factors which are specifically expressed by embryonic stem cells. And so what he ended up with was reprogramming somatic cells. In his case, it was a fibroblast uh, derived from, from a skin biopsy, reprogramming those cells into cells which are very similar, if not identical, to human embryonic stem cell. So now, this was the technique, but the applications that now have opened up are very numerous. Stem cells really is a blanket term. It covers a number of different kinds of processes. Stem cells, cell therapy, regenerative medicine, tissue bioengineering. Tell me where those different uh, words start and, and where they start, or are all of these just different versions of cell therapy? I think we should start from defining what a stem cell is, uh, frankly. The, the definition is pretty simple. Stem cell, regardless of the fact that it's an embryonic stem cell or an adult stem cell or a cancer stem cell, a stem cell is a cell that can self-renew. So basically, it keeps for an unlimited number of cell cycles uh, the same features. So it can self-renew. At the same time, a stem cell can differentiate, can become something else, can become a more specific cell type. And then the difference there relies on, is it an embryonic stem cell? So which that means that that stem cell will become capable, at least, of, of differentiating into all the cell types of, of an adult organism. If it's a more differentiated stem cell, and that's when we talk about adult stem cells, for example, those cells are, they can differentiate into a smaller number or a smaller number of cell types. The other terms that were, you were mentioning, I think, are just represent just the same concept. It's just, it's just a different flavor, meaning that uh, stem cells can then, uh, if we know how to get them, if we know how to isolate them, if we know how to propagate them in vitro, then can be used for regenerative medicine, for tissue engineering, and for transplantation and therapy. Thanks for that overview. That really helps tremendously. There are different kinds of stem cells, uh, those that are derived from uh, embryonic sources mm -hmm. uh, and those that are derived from other kinds of cells. Can you help our listeners understand the different derivation of these stem cell types and where all the debate about funding for these different kinds of stem cells comes from? As we said before, uh, embryonic
embryonic stem cells, by definition, come from an embryo. So basically, uh, the lines uh, that there are several lines now available, those were derived by embryos that were cultured in a specific way with specific growth factors under specific uh, culture conditions. And a population of, of stem cells, so cells that, again, can self-renew, can be propagated for an unlimited number of times, uh, were, were derived and were established. The source of uh, other cell types depends on uh, the tissue the stem cells are growing in. So, for example, we have hematopoietic stem cells, so cells that normally grow and propagate in the bone marrow and under special circumstances, for example, if you have uh, an infection going on or uh, something else, these cells can move away from their micro-niche, so the niche where in the bone marrow where they reside and they can just uh, uh, proliferate and target or uh, differentiate into the specific cell type it, it is required in that, in that moment, lymphocytes or megakaryocytes or uh, other cell types. And the, the main concern, I think, about uh, stem cell biology or stem cell research in, in general arose from, uh, from the embryonic stem cells because there we, we have to deal with embryos. We have to deal with pre-implantation embryos that potentially, at least, could be used for reproductive purposes, but on the other hand, can also be used for uh, generating embryonic stem cells that can then serve as a, a beautiful and a very powerful model for understanding early development, especially in the, in the, in the human scenario where we don't or we cannot access post-implantation stages of development for obvious, uh, obvious reasons. So, Dr. Paolo, do you think that the public has unrealistic expectations about what stem cell research can do for them? Well, I think like any exciting new technology, there are a variety of uh, grandiose ideas that can come from any particular technology and the applications for them. But in the case of stem cells, I think it's important for us to remember that uh, while a lot of progress has been made, we still have a long way to go in terms of being able to harness the power of these stem cells to treat human disease, which, of course, is the ultimate goal. For example, in the field of nephrology, it has only really been in the last few years that we have identified the very existence of stem cells in the kidney. We have to remember that going back about 10 years, it wasn't even understood or known whether a kidney had stem cells and whether it could regenerate itself using stem cells after injury, like has been found in many other organs. Thus, now that we've found the existence of stem cells in the filters of the kidney and the glomeruli, we can now learn a lot more from them. We can learn how they behave in acute kidney injury or in chronic kidney disease. We can then learn what powers of these stem cells we can harness to treat acute kidney injury or chronic kidney disease. And I think most interestingly, we can see what happens in disease where if these stem cells somehow go awry and start um, being dysregulated and leading to overproliferation of lesions within the kidney, that you can actually develop diseases de novo from stem cells that have gone awry. And I think that discovery is one of the most exciting because it can teach us things we didn't, or didn't know about diseases which we thought we knew well. So I think the public is waiting for stem cells to be used 
readily and injected into humans to treat disease, and I think that that's a very laudable goal. But I think we have a long way to go before that goal can be reached. In your own work in diabetes and diabetic nephropathy, can you imagine a role for stem cell biology? I absolutely can. One of the hallmarks of these new stem cells is that they exist in the glomeruli of kidneys. And this is perhaps in hindsight not so surprising because 90% of glomerular, or rather 90% of end-stage renal disease is initially due to diseases that emanate from the glomeruli. And because there are now the existence of stem cells that are in the glomeruli that can have the power to regenerate both glomerular cells and tubular cells, we can finally begin to ask whether in diseases such as diabetic nephropathy, these stem cells can somehow be controlled to proliferate more rapidly and to plug up, if you will, some of the lesions of diabetic nephropathy. Diabetic nephropathy for, I think, the last 14 to 15 years has been known to be a disease of the podocyte or the glomerular epithelial cell that sits on the basement membrane of glomeruli and help to keep protein from leaking into, into the urinary space. And we know in diabetic nephropathy that these podocytes lose function and eventually are depleted in patients with diabetic kidney injury. And if we can figure out a way to either create the stem cells that are resident in the glomeruli to proliferate and, and replace these depleted podocytes, or we can induce these stem cells to migrate to the kidney and then proliferate and repair these glomeruli, then I think we have a very real possible application of stem cells for a very prevalent disease such as diabetic nephropathy. An analogous excitement by the public would have been the possibility of gene transfer into humans to fix an aberrant gene by putting in a good copy of a new gene. There was and still is tremendous interest in doing that kind of work, but a lot of worries have become evident as other untoward effects seem to have become a real problem. How should we monitor the administration of stem cells in clinical practice for these unwanted and unexpected results? I think that's a very good question, Dr. Falk. As you know, it's very difficult to monitor what is going on in the kidney from a mechanistic perspective because we can't always get a biopsy of the kidney to see what's going on, uh, unlike other organs where you can get a sample of the blood, for example, to see the characteristics of hematopoietic stem cells and what they are doing. In the kidney, that's not so easy. So I think we have to uh, aim big but start small and initially see what happens to these stem cells in simpler models than the human, and then gradually work our way up to make sure that human cells are being injected into an organism are doing what we think they're supposed to be doing and not proliferating where we don't want them to proliferate and not engrafting where we don't, we don't want them to engraft. So Dr. Sebastiano, where do you think the first really exciting and most promising use of stem cells will occur in any uh, disease? Stem cells uh, have already been used, actually, uh, to cure some pathologies. For example, uh, skin stem cells can be ex explanted from tissue. They can be cultured 
in vitro and they can be transplanted back. Uh, if you think about, for example, severe burnings, for example, this is already some sort of routine technique that is already in place since uh, many years. Another exciting uh, application, for example, is the usage of uh, blood, hematopoietic stem cells, to induce the tolerance in uh, specific patients or to try at least to, to fight against blood diseases like uh, leukemia. There are extremely nice and interesting results in, the, in that direction. What is very exciting, and it will be exciting in the next years, is the discovery that stem cells also most likely are or the, the cause of uh, tumor formation, at least for, for some forms of tumors. And so there are studies showing that uh, if you can define where and what those stem cells are and what's the, the surface signatures of these uh, st uh, stem cells, you can specifically target those cells with the right with the right tools. And so basically you can target the tumor at its roots. So basically you can eliminate the source the primary source of the formation of tumors. And if you are good enough, and hopefully we will be good enough in the, in the next years or so, we will be able to develop specific antibodies that will, or like a combination or a cocktail of antibodies that will be able to specifically eliminate those stem cells. And there are really, really exciting results in this, in this direction, for example, uh, done by, by the group of uh, uh, Irving Weissman or Ravi Majeti here at Stanford. So we are really, really excited about that. And I, I really think that this is going to be one of the key applications in the, in the future. All this sounds uh, most exciting, and I hope that uh, the advent of stem cell biology and clinical practice happens sooner rather than later, especially in nephrology, where end-stage kidney disease uh, has such an unhappy long-term consequence unless, of course, a transplant is possible. I want to thank both of you for your time this afternoon and spending time with the American Society of Nephrology audience. And with that, I'd like to say thank you and goodbye. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. The information in this podcast should not be used during a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified health care provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology.